Expand and impact. Internal transformation for external impact. Achieve your goals without sacrificing yourself. I'm Violetta Znarkowski, but you can call me Violet. Welcome back to the Expand and Impact podcast, a space where we discuss how you can create a successful life that is an authentic expression of you, and where we also explore the intersection between personal development and gender equality. You may have noticed that in every single guest that I have on the show, we open up the conversation in exactly the same way. And that is with the question, what informs your identity? So for today's conversation, I do not have a guest on the show, but we're going to be exploring the topic of identity a little bit deeper because there is a very intentional reason as to why I chose to be a common theme and question in all episodes with every single person that I invite onto the show. We live in such a busy world that when you first get a taste of a much needed vacation where your body and mind finally unwind after a few days and settle into this new pace of life, this renewed sense of presence, and connection, we create an attachment to this experience, this experience of wholeness, of steadiness, of calm, of excitement in our life. We attach to it and expect to take it home with us when we return to our everyday lives, our everyday stresses that appear in our work, in our relationships, and our ambitions. I know that for myself for a long time too, when I would travel often, I would be reignited with this passion and thirst for life. I would feel rejuvenated and well-rested, convincing myself that I can bring this feeling back with me without any effort. And what ended up happening time and time again is that the peace that I felt, the rest that I experienced, the joy, the contentment quickly started to fizzle out when I returned back into the everyday stresses of how life and work looked and how I experienced it. You'll notice as well that you quickly shift from calm to stress, peace to frustration and edginess, presence to getting consumed by your to-do list all over again, and having your mind fixate on all of your responsibilities and the goals even that you have for yourself. The patience and openness you perhaps even experience with your partner, with your family, with your friends starts to wash away eventually and you start to notice that that feeling that you just couldn't shake of exhaustion, of busyness, of perhaps a lot of mental rumination and unease before you went away on vacation, the very thing that pushed you and told you that you even need a vacation starts to slowly trickle back into your life. I call things like taking a holiday a band-aid solution, something that doesn't actually support real shifts in your mental, emotional, and behavior patterns and well-being, but rather it provides temporary relief from inner tension we look to soothe in some way. Band-aid solutions are the things we cling to get relief, to try to fix or change our state and how we are experiencing ourselves, life, others, our work. 
and it usually works. For a while, anyway, until you notice yourself getting back on the hamster wheel of the very things you're working so hard to change. I totally get this because I used to feel completely confused and stumped. I didn't understand how I could be doing all the right things, reading all the books, listening to all the podcasts, practicing self-care, meditating, and still felt like something was off, or I still was being driven by that inner pressure and self-doubt that I noticed beneath the busyness and the stress that I just couldn't fully shake. Band-Aid solutions can be travel, they can be meditation, it can be exercise, it can be discipline required to get things done, it can be filling up your schedule with both work and fun things to do, you know, creating that so-called work-life balance in your schedule, and yet the anxiety doesn't completely go away. You pendulate between feeling secure and confident and doubting yourself, perhaps even doubting everything. Whenever you slow down, you notice that you feel perpetually exhausted and fatigued. It's easier just to stay busy because when you're busy, there's a part of you that feels like you're doing life right. You're doing well. You may notice an internal conflict from time to time, a part of you that's motivated, driven, gritty, and ready to take on the world, and another part that is maybe tired, that is craving something else, craving something deeper in life and within yourself and your relationships. There is a point in time and within your own experience where activities and actions like self-care, meditation, travel, exercise, discipline, move from being something that aids your growth and progression in life and thirst for life to actually holding you back from shifting the patterns in your mental, emotional, and behavior states that you're working so hard to break free from. I know what you're thinking. How can any of these things be bad? We hear it all the time that meditation is good for you, practice self-care, have some strong boundaries, travel, go live your life, explore the world, make sure to take care of your body and your health by exercising. Discipline is important to success. I get it. And there's nothing inherently wrong with these things. They are all essential components and keys to your own evolution. The skill to learn here, though, is to learn how to notice the motivation and the energy that pushes you to take action or to stop taking action. Reflecting on the question, are you making decisions from a calm, regulated, and clear space, or are you taking action from a frantic, stressed-out space and the feeling like you need to do or are obligated to do something? When you feel like you have to do self-care, when you have to exercise, when you have to meditate, when you have that inner impulse to travel that you just want to get away because you need that break, when you should be disciplined because that's what is going to help you reach the goals that you have both professionally and personally, we lose connection to what we need to do and what our mind and body actually need from us and require to thrive. I want to share a personal story with you now about traveling and my personal travel history. 
if you've been here a while, or maybe you're new to this podcast and the mission behind Expand and Impact, something that has really informed who I am today to give me the courage and the self-trust and the discipline to create a company, to be well, to be in a healthy relationship, to set boundaries and thrive in all areas of my life, and to be able to do it even in times of stress and uncertainty and adversity is my experience with travel. You may be familiar with my story and know that I have been traveling my entire life. And I've also traveled professionally for a decade. I had an international career in experiential and outdoor education that really gave me amazing opportunities to see parts of the world that many people aren't privy to. I spent a lot of time in local communities in developing world countries and really had a lot of moments where I was completely disconnected from anything and everything that was familiar to me. And I was put in these situations where, of course, I was challenged, but also I was able to learn a different way of being. I was able to learn more about happiness by living with the monks, by being in communities where Buddhism, for example, is the main religion and source of strength and perspective. So aside from traveling a lot with my work for 10 years, I also traveled around my work. So whenever I was done leading an expedition and teaching, I would always book a trip to the next place. And I always had this impulse that I followed, this sense of adventure that I wanted to see the world. I wanted to experience life and do exciting things that lit me up. Except for a long time, it was never enough. And I really struggled to be fully present in my travels because I was thinking of the next thing that I had to do or the next place that I wanted to travel to. And of course, I didn't know this at the time. But when I left America in 2016 to move to Australia, where a six-month working holiday turned into eight years of living away from my passport country, I didn't realize it at the time, but my impulse to keep moving, to keep traveling, to keep doing more was actually a flight response in my nervous system. There was a part of me that felt like it needed to get away from something or move towards something. And this impulse to keep moving, to keep doing, to be more, to do more, has served me so well in my life, just like it serves you, because it's helped me find opportunities and go after them. It's helped me be courageous and actually travel a lot, even travel on my own, solo traveling, and move to foreign countries for jobs that I knew very little about for the sake of opportunity and adventure. So it's served me a lot in my life. And at the same time, for so many years, while I was living and working in this way, while I was in this international career, I really struggled to be present. I really struggled to be in the moment and to be connected not only with myself, but also with where I was, the land and the people around me. I started to identify as a traveler, as someone who led a nomadic lifestyle, as well as being ambitious. 
And because I saw myself and identified as a traveler, as an adventurer, I always needed to be traveling or adventuring. I also used travel as a coping mechanism. Whenever I needed a break for life or when the busyness and stress of work was getting too much or I was feeling a little bit uncertain or confused in what direction I should take in my life or what decisions I had to make or didn't have to make, I would resort to traveling and adventuring. I'd always be thinking of the next place I'm going to go to, the next trip I'm going to do, the next expedition I'm going to organize for myself, or where I'm going to meet my friends around the world. And it really became an integral part of who I was and my identity. And there's nothing inherently wrong, right, with being a traveler or being nomadic. But when anything becomes your identity, even things that we consider good, or when we use different activities and tasks as coping mechanisms, for example, self-care or meditation or exercise, all of these things that are supposed to be good for us, without considering the energy and the motivation behind those actions, that's when we start to get a bit lost when we suddenly don't have access to it. So when we rely on a daily routine, but something unexpected happens in our schedule. You may notice that it happens once, it's not a big deal, you can adapt. But when things keep hindering your experience of what you want to do, who you think you are, and how you should be, over time we start to get really wobbly and unravel. We saw this on a mass scale when we were having all of the lockdowns around the world, right? Some people thrived because they were completely disconnected from the busyness of life, from all of their responsibilities, and had a completely different experience of their day-to-day and of themselves while in lockdown. And also, there were a lot of people whose mental and emotional and physical well-being really suffered during this time because we didn't have the same access and resources to the exercise, perhaps, that we did or to the travel that we relied on to take a break from life, to reset our energy and our focus. When the things that you do and that you use as resources to support yourself, to grow, to heal, to support your mental and emotional well-being, become wrapped up in who you are and your identity, we really start to unravel and to struggle when we don't have that same access like we used to for whatever reason. And what happens is that this actually puts our nervous system in a state of panic, in a state of unsafety and unease, perhaps in a state of a fight, flight, freeze. We hear these words all the time. And this is actually what's happening beneath the surface when our identity is challenged, when the activities that we use to enhance our life and enhance our well-being aren't accessible for whatever reason. These things aren't bad. Your mindset is important. Taking care of your mind and body is important. Challenging yourself is important. These are the things that, at the end of the day, help you evolve into the person you are becoming. However, they only support your growth and well-being if you do these things from a regulated and clear space instead of a reactive space driven by internal tension and pressure. It's the difference between reacting from a place of fear, insecurity, and doubt versus from responding from a space of clarity, confidence, courage, and internal steadiness. What is actually required is an identity change. 
what's required is cultivating flexibility in who you are. When your work, relationships, self-care routine, or travel and adventure persona become a part of your identity, we unconsciously reject anything that doesn't align with that identity. And how this could look is that we become really rigid in what we want, who we are, and what we believe is possible for us, for others, for our relationships, and for the world. Your identity is anything you say after I am. I am independent. I am an athlete. I am a traveler. I am professional. I am ambitious. I am a daughter. I am a mother, an employee, an entrepreneur or business owner. How we identify motivates our actions and behaviors, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. It's the attachment and expectation of how we should feel, how we should be, how we should think or react, what we should do to be happy, healthy, wealthy, confident, successful, that creates internal conflicts, internal tension, and this need to keep doing more, being more, or the opposite feeling stuck and paralyzed and uncertain of where to even begin in creating the changes you want to see, how to even begin to achieve the things that you want to achieve. In the Western world, we are so deeply conditioned to measure our sense of worth and belonging in relation to our work, how much we earn, the things we own, how many friends we have, and how we look, among other things. And here I'm specifically naming the Western world because I've spent most of my adult life living and working in developing world countries, where I experienced and witnessed firsthand the way people around the world identify, where they find meaning, and how it connects to their sense of self, happiness, and well-being. When you spend time in developing world countries, it really does shift your perception and perspective of life and yourself faster than anything else because you're completely disconnected from everything you know, from who you think you are and how others have identified you and how they perceive you. And here's what I noticed when I would spend time in communities where locals, for example, lived in practically empty homes, where they had like one cooker stovetop on the tiled floor in the kitchen and a few mats to sleep on around the house. And Only the wealthy families, for example, had a couch or a TV to actually watch and running water. In these communities, we always ate practically the same thing every day. And almost everyone wore almost the same clothes every day or just had a few basic items to change. I don't even remember having a mirror to look at my own reflection in except the one that I held in my toiletries bag, like a little compact face mirror. So while I was working in these communities and residing with the locals, I was completely stripped of anything that I previously identified with because I couldn't exercise in the same way that I would when I was in the cities or in my home country or in the Western world. I wasn't even allowed to wear the same type of clothing because there's, you know, unspoken cultural rules where you adjust yourself and you adapt to where you are without bringing in luxuries that perhaps are unattainable to the communities that you're in, right? And also there are a lot of gender norms and inequality where it's not 
for example, appropriate to wear short shorts or tank tops or expose your shoulders. So you're completely adapting even your sense of style that a lot of us find meaning and identity in to where you are. So you're completely stripped of anything that's familiar and simply present in a new way of being with new people, new food, new smells, new way of living. And it completely alters your perception of life. And it automatically makes you think deeper about yourself and your own struggles and the place of your struggles and how you act and how you react. I noticed that these communities of people who had not even a fraction of the luxuries that I had access to, of the opportunities I had access to, were somehow more joyful and happy than everyone and everything I knew from back home. And this was a shocking reality. Going into these villages, I was welcomed, and I noticed a temporary change within myself as well. By being completely cut off from the busyness of modern life, from advertisements, from shopping centers, from the school system that I was a part of, from internet and social media for extended periods of time, I suddenly felt so much more at ease and at peace in my mind and my body, like I have never experienced before or ever experienced in America where I grew up. I found such deep satisfaction in the simplicity of life and in bucket showers, for example, which is one of my favorite things. If you don't know what a bucket shower is, it's essentially the way a lot of people around the world still bathe and take showers where you fill up a bucket of water, you kind of crouch on the ground and you bathe yourself just from this bucket of water and you pour it over your head and you keep refilling the bucket and pouring it over your head until all of the soap and shampoo is washed off of you. (laughs) And it's actually the most satisfying thing and one of the ways of bathing that makes me feel the cleanest, even more so than my really luxurious modern Western shower or bath in the bathroom. And usually when you take a bucket shower, you're not even in a tiled room. You'd be lucky if you were crouching on concrete over a small tap filling this bucket of water. So it's really saying something that I found so much pleasure and satisfaction in this way of bathing and in this simplicity. And also, it's such a privilege that I was able to experience this and immerse myself in this way of living for so many years. I found so much contentment and inner peace. For example, while I was mixing concrete every day in the hot sun, while I was eating rice for every single meal and wearing the same clothes every single day, during these times in my life and in my career, I didn't even have a mirror to look at myself in, except for the small pocket mirror I carried in my toiletries bag. Completely disconnected from everything I knew, from who I thought I was, and from who I thought I needed to be. What a privilege. At first, though, when I would leave these communities, the sense of deep peace, contentment, satisfaction, and joy wouldn't last for very long. Whenever I re-entered a more active and more populated area, I felt the anxiety start to rush in from the overstimulation in my environment. It was suddenly really noisy. There were a lot of things suddenly that pulled on my attention that required my attention, and a lot of messages and emails and phone calls coming through. 
you may know this feeling in a different context in your own life. That, for example, after you take that much needed vacation and your mind and body finally feel completely settled and at ease after a couple of days, once the stress and anxiety start to dissipate and you start to notice that you're more present, more emotionally grounded, more clear, more alive, more connected. And the second you start to think about boarding that flight home or you turn the key to enter your house or you show back up at work, you notice your body start to clench, tension increasing, stress coming in all over again. And suddenly this feeling of rejuvenation, of rest, of simply being and enjoying life doesn't seem to last very long, right? Well, I would come in and out of these communities so often with work that I began learning how to bring more of this energy back home with me, back into my life, back into the modern busy world I was a part of. I started to learn how I can carry my experience of being completely disconnected and what that gave me internally, the sense the contentment, the joy, the ease. Life suddenly felt simple and easy. The sense of revival that I felt each time I was in these communities, I slowly started to learn to integrate it in my ambitions, in my goals and my big life vision the life I had for myself and what I aspired towards. These qualities were no longer something that I experienced only when I changed my environment. It's something that I learned how to cultivate every single day. This is the space and the energy, the space of regulation, a healed nervous system that I started to make all of my decisions from, that I started to take action from. Instead of the reactive parts of me or the fight-flight-freeze parts of me that were driven by something outside of myself. And this is the tricky thing, right? A part of us wants this sense of ease and presence and peace to last when we taste it, when we experience it. But when you're a high achiever, there's another part that is really afraid that you won't be productive if things are feeling easy or if you're at peace or that suddenly you'll become lazy and unable to motivate yourself again to accomplish the things you want to. Society has so deeply ingrained in us that in order to achieve anything in life, in order to be successful, you have to struggle to get there. I can confidently say that I do not buy into that paradigm anymore, and that has not been my experience for a very long time. Changing your environment shifts your perceptions and your perspectives, but without really being present with the contrast of what you witness, what you see, what you feel, and how that changes and how that looks when your environment is changing in every given moment of every day. These moments of change and connection that you're working hard towards don't last because we don't know how to bring this level of peace and simplicity back into a world that sometimes doesn't feel so simple, back into a world that communicates to us that we are only deserving, worthy, and good and successful if we're pushing hard, if we're forcing our way forward if we're exhausted at the end of the day.
this idea that things are allowed to feel pleasurable, that there can be a certain level of ease behind how you experience your work, how you experience your relationships, how you experience your life, is a completely new concept. And we are the first generation who gets to choose to live and lead in this way. We don't need to teach women to be more resilient, to learn how to hold more pain, more challenges, more struggle. What we need is to grow our capacity to hold more pleasure, to hold more enjoyment, relaxation in our bodies, to hold more joy, to hold more ease. When this internal conflict is present, we start to get lost in the hustle. We get lost in the stress, lost back in our heads and our thinking brain. While just moments before, we may have felt completely present in our body, completely present in the moment. Our mind wasn't racing so much. We felt a deeper sense of gratitude and happiness. And then something triggers this internal conflict within, and suddenly we're overthinking again. Suddenly we're overanalyzing and we're feeling exhausted and uncertain. The rational mind cannot comprehend how to fix this. The rational mind cannot think of the appropriate solutions because it's not a solution that we need. It's not something we need to fix. It's a change in your identity. It's a change in how you relate to yourself, to your work, to your life, and to others. What also needs to happen here is the practice of acceptance. Learning how our identity is serving us and protecting us. And instead of wanting to change it, learning to accept it and be present with it. Because ironically, that is the way we create change. It's not by forcing. Acceptance is the pathway to flow. You hear the saying all the time, if you're afraid, do it anyway. And that's how you get rid of the fear. Sometimes this is true, but only when your decisions and actions come from a healthy and regulated place. When you can lean into the fear, be with the fear, that's when you can transmute the fear into power and focus. But when the root of your fear is deeply attached to your identity and sense of self, then pushing past it will actually trigger your mind and body to go into a state of fight, flight, freeze, and stay there. I could not bring my modern self and my ideas and my privileges into these communities that I worked in because my way of life was so different and it wouldn't be appropriate. I had to learn to adapt. I had to learn to safely release the things I clung to and that I attached to that informed who I was. And I also had the beautiful opportunity and privilege of learning from the communities that I spent so much time in. I created space internally to be open to seeing life and humanity and what is possible in a different way. Instead of through the lens of my own experience and my upbringing, I was able to start to see how they experienced life and related to it, and how they related to each other and themselves. Don't get me wrong, 
I'm painting a pretty beautiful picture here of spending so much time traveling and living in these really remote communities and having these cool adventures. But at the time, it wasn't always so easy. And I experienced a lot of challenges being in these communities, especially where women had very few rights to no rights. And also being a white woman born into privilege and bringing all of that and all of that nuance with me. And it's exactly this contrast that pushed my mind with its so many attachments and expectations to start to relate differently, to start to see things differently, to start to consider differently and to feel differently. This is what an identity change really is. It's experiencing yourself in different ways and releasing the attachment to the fixed perception that you have of yourself of who you might be or who you should be or who you need to be in order to be successful, in order to be loved, in order to be worthy and deserving of taking up space. It's not something you think your way into or say affirmations for. It's something you experience internally through intentional reflection and gentle action. What's required is also a sense of rewiring your nervous system that is programmed for struggle, that is programmed to be resilient to stress. And we need to reprogram it to feel more comfortable with ease, with joy, with pleasure, with satisfaction. So that we can release once and for all this idea that in order to have anything worthwhile in life, you need to struggle and sacrifice yourself, your well-being, and your relationships to get it. Putting happiness and joy and presence and ease on hold until one day in the future when you've earned it, when you deserve to feel it. When we attach to who we believe ourselves to be, or who we're supposed to be, or how we're supposed to be, we continue living and leading from that perception, and as a result, recreating the same patterns and experiencing the same situations, conflicts, and frustrations. This isn't something the rational mind can do or change or fix, because this is something that needs to be experienced within. The egoic mind will always try to fix or change something. It's always going to try to find a solution for something. And of course, there's an appropriate time to be proactive and find solutions. But what drives your actions? What drives your decisions? What identity is driving it? I identified as someone who didn't back down from challenges for a long time. As someone who was really resilient and didn't take no for an answer. As a female leader in a male-dominated field, this was something that I needed to do in order to get anywhere in my industry. I internalized the conflicts and the struggles that I experienced as a part of my identity and as something that I needed to overcome, that I needed to force my way through. I didn't believe it was possible to live, lead, and feel any other way until I experienced it. And through experiencing it in my body and really coming into resonance with how that feels and what's possible when you are regulated, when you 
experience deeper presence, deeper calm, courage, and joy within your being, my life completely changed. The way I believed I had to work changed. The way I believed I had to lead and show up as a professional and ambitious woman changed. This is one of the things I had the privilege of exploring deeply as I navigated myself and my own identity through different cultures and communities around the world. I had to release the attachment to who I thought I was and who I thought I was supposed to be so that I could uncover who I really am and how that can look like in the context of society and my goals. When you learn how to do this, then you will no longer rely on things like meditation or retreats or travel as the things to give you the temporary separation from the noise you're craving or to increase your self-esteem and self-worth, but rather they will be things that add and enhance your life. You'll do them because you want to and because you see value in it and not because you believe that you need to or that you should. You'll start to notice what is helpful and supportive right now in this moment and what you're actually needing and what is simply a habit or a pattern you've built that doesn't always support you in the direction that you want to go and doesn't support in creating safety in your emotional experience as a human living this life. With all of that being said, applications are now open for Expand and Impact small group program, Regulate Over Hustle. And I am so excited to invite you to apply for this experience. The group will be of no more than six people. So if you're interested and feeling ready, feeling the call, don't hesitate to apply sooner rather than later because it's only open to six individuals, to six women. And hey, listen, you can achieve and accomplish a lot from a dysregulated, anxious, and burnt out place, but you don't have to. Regulate Over Hustle is a six-month experience for six women only who are ready to learn how to release the struggle and the need to push ahead and replace it with more spaciousness and internal calm and peace. This is for the woman who is ready to break generational patterns of survival and pave way to more sustainable ways of success, growth, and healing. Free from anxiety, free from overwhelm, free from inner tension, and free from the emotional roller coaster of success and achievement and squeezing everything into your life and your schedule to make it worthwhile so you don't miss out on anything. If you're ready to transform your leadership and be in an intentional space with other women who want to change the narrative that success and relationships are supposed to feel hard, if you want to experience more depth and more lasting states of joy, presence, connection, power, courage, confidence, steadiness, grounding, and you want those qualities to be the space from which you make decisions, from which you show up in your relationships, in your life, and in your leadership, then I invite you to apply for one of the six spots in Regulate Over Hustle. If you are interested in learning more or you're ready to jump right in and apply right away, you can either DM me, Regulate Over Hustle, or go to the show notes below where you'll see the link for 
the application page, which is at expandandimpact.com slash regulate over hustle, expandandimpact.com forward slash regulate over hustle, or it's in the show notes, or you can DM me and we can just have a conversation about it so that you can have some more clarity and space to decide if this is an investment that you want to make right now. And it might not be, and that's okay too, but we can have a conversation about it to see if it's a good fit and if it's actually going to be what you need right now with wherever you are on your journey to help you level up your leadership, your well-being, and your relationships and thrive in all areas of your life because that is your birthright. And it's time that we come together and really sit in a space to learn, grow, and heal from the patterns and ways of working and living that are actually not supporting us in moving in the direction of becoming happier, healthier, wealthier, and more successful humans in all areas of our life. That's it for this week. Thanks for being here with me and tuning in. As always, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. Cheers to your health, wealth, and happiness, and I'll catch you in the next episode. Remember, expansive education plus inspired action equals an impactful life. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at expand and impact. 